Central Coast. Good morning to each and every one of you. I am your host, Melanie Blinkenship, joined with my co-host, Mr. Eric, and also our step-in water discusser, Mr. Greg Graywall. You know, I gotta the come water up with... discusser. He is. He's got a title. He's the infamous He's water. the infamous water discusser. So, hey guys, you know, nature's neighbor cannot start the conversation without talking about the weather first. Mm, good weather. It's I, awesome. I'm, I'm loving it. It's a great week. Oh, yeah. I was thank talking you. to my, my mom in Nevada. She's like, it's like 112. I'm like, eh, it's like 72. There's a slight breeze. <laughs> and I'm sitting out here with a beverage at 7 o'clock enjoying the that evening. Was 57 for on the way in here this morning. Oh, it's so beautiful. And uh, yeah, last night we had the cruise night in Templeton. It was so much fun. And we were walking because we went to 15C last night just to enjoy our friend Mark Adams' band. And I we're sitting outside in that breeze and that fresh air. It was warm enough, but cool enough and just absolutely beautiful. Oh, yeah. I had the people at my house last night. I got in my shop. I have a ridiculous stereo out there. And it's just we had the music going. Everybody's out in the driveway. And Garage just, party. Yeah. Just <laughs> impromptu people <laughs> swing by. And uh, I couldn't ask for any more. Just beautiful weather. No, you can't. Time. It's it's yeah. it's. I, again, I mean, to all the people who might be listening outside of the state, you know, and or that have left this area, sorry. <laughs> it's been beautiful here. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I was being a little ornery. But at the same time, you know, we, there is a forecast that's going to get warmer. Oh, yeah. You know, and the Next fair is coming. We get fair warm. again this year. And, oh, we get the parade tomorrow. Oh, it's yeah. so exciting. <laughs> so exciting. But, you know, and like, I cannot believe how beautiful it is. But you know it's going to get hot. And this is the time when we need to get those chores done because it's oh, the yeah. only time it's going to be bearable to do it. We know what's coming. And this is that prevent, you know, being preventable instead of reactable kind of thing because you can't just assume because it's hot that you have to water more. You know, a sweet little lady came in the store. She goes, I remember like last year on the radio show, you were t- telling us to not water our tomatoes. Is it time to not water our tomatoes? Because <laughs> so I'm like, well... If I was the, an abracadabra or a fortune teller, I would be able to give you something better to say not to water. But I am trying to teach people how to recognize things instead of, mm-hmm. you know, instead of asking or assuming or wondering, we should know. This is, it's soil knowledge. It's not, it's not rocket science. It's not something that is, should be so foreign to people. It. You know, it's so easy for us to, you know, learn different languages and, and understand, you know, press one for Spanish, press two for English, press three for, you know, Mandarin now. Like, you, we can press buttons for all these different languages, but yet all we have to do is see, smell, and feel the language of soil. Mm-hmm. And, well, some people don't understand the deal. I remember when they started with 911. Well, it used to be 911, <laughs> but they couldn't find 11 on the phone, so they had to change it to 911 so they could figure out there was three numbers. Speaking from a, <laughs> a first responder, out. you know. <laughs> but, you know, and it's yeah, it's the language of understanding, right? So it's understanding how we are managing our natural resources, how we can continue to live in a beautiful community that we all obviously cherish and appreciate and enjoy. Um, Before we get into the discussion of water, I just want to throw out, I'll I'll keep reminding you, I have Melanie at Nature's Touch Nursery and Harvest have scheduled the new classes. So um, our first upcoming introductory to beekeeping is going to be July 20th. Um, So remember, 
All beekeeping classes are the third Tuesday of every month. And there's a reason for this, guys. It has everything to do with the moon phase, soil. It has everything to do. So we we schedule classes based upon what we're teaching, right? So third Tuesday every month, beekeeping. Introductories are from July until December. And then in January is when we start our six-month series where we take you from building your hive and take you to all the way to your first harvest, right? But you got to take an introductory class before you do the six-month series. Also, the second Tuesday, I'm going to go backwards and then I'm going to go forward. So second Tuesday of every month is our Growing Food with Nature Garden Series. And it goes on. It's a class that we take you from seed to table and growing and understanding and helping you with the translation of soil. That is the second Tuesday of every month. And then the third Tuesday, dun, 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 this is a brand new class that I just added because of the demand and people asking all these questions. But the third Tuesday of every month is all about nature's food, right? So we've taken, taken our harvest from the second Tuesday, right? We're growing it. We're doing all this stuff. The third Tuesday is all about bees to make sure that everything's getting pollinated and everything's growing and and adapting. And then the third, or excuse me, the first, second, third. Yes, fourth Tuesday of the month (laughs) will be nature's food. It will always be about how do we take our harvest, either carry it on, preserve it, ferment it, you know, all the discussions that go on composting, recycling, all the materials that we get from our food and or even purchasing our food. You don't have to grow your own food. So many people are getting into pickling and sauerkraut and borscht and all sourdough bread. You know, we have a beautiful recipe uh, for our sourdough bread at Nature's Touch and people are wanting to do it themselves. And this is the class that is going to be able to teach you how to do that. So Nature's Touch Nursery and Harvest dot store is our website where you can read about all our classes or you can just come in, see me. Also, all the social media outlets will also have uh, signups, information, and all that good stuff. So, so come yeah, join you, me. You, what you got to realize, too, is she didn't read that off. No. She's been in her head a little bit, but I've been watching you, and I'm like, that's a lot of information going back and forth. Don't like- underestimate the size of my melon on my head, okay? There's a lot of things go on up there, yeah. okay? People ask me, how do I, I I'm like, ask this, because, you know, it's the head. No, yes. And the thing is, is how do I remember? Because I'm doing things based upon what surrounds me. It's not, I'm not trying to teach something that I've been told. I'm trying to teach something that I am seeing, I am feeling, And I've realized this. I had this discussion with two of my really good friends yesterday because one of them is very avid about wanting to be a gardener or wanting to farm. And I, Hmm. she gets so discouraged. You didn't talk her out of it? I tried. But I also (laughs) told her this. I tried. But I, I told her. I said, do you feel it? And she goes, what do you mean? I'm like, I wake up in the middle of the night and go, I forgot to do, you know, it's like this whole, I'm like, or I'm like, do you smell it? Do you sense it? And she was like, Melanie, what are you talking about? I'm like, that exactly right there. Don't try to force something on yourself just because you think you should do it. It has to come natural. And then I said, don't think you have to do it all at once. Like, you need to stop and go back. You got to go back to your senses. Do you see it? Do you smell it? Do you feel it? I promise you, 
once you become intuitive with your own self, farming, ranching, gardening, growing food, I'm just going to give it out there. Raising children, all of it is all about intuitive. It's about instinct. And I can't emphasize this more in everything that we do in going forward with natural resources. I mean, we all are sitting here talking about, I mean, we all know we're in a drought. John Lindsay just put out a incredible report about, I can't think of the name. Here I am in my head again. Um, a name that was a forecast that was done year, so many years ago. And it shows, you know, this drought. And I mean, it's pretty accurate in the prediction, but it, the prediction shows that we're looking at another multi-year drought. And I mean, come on, like, we can't sit here and deny that we are in a weird cycle. We're in a weird pattern. There's more people, more, re, you know, things draining resources. There's more trees being taken down. There's more development. There's a ton of things going on, right? So we're in this downward spiral of a drought, but not an upward intake of yeah. being smart about <laughs> yeah. what we're doing. And so we can, because it's, it's, Reacting, right? We're I, reacting I instead question, of being. Yeah. Inst- I saw Lindsay's report about the drought. It mm-hmm. was going over reservoirs, rain totals, and it was talking about the whole county. And this was what two weeks ago yeah. or something, something like, like that. that. What I didn't see is anything about basins. Oh, he did. He did. He talked did about it? the depletion of ba- basins, but it was. I don't know how you would. I mean, I don't know how he measures it exactly. Or, and well, you know. and that was my question to it too. Was he did talk about the depletions that, you know, with climate change, the depletions of, of basins are happening. Well, part of that major problem with the basins is if you're, we built storage in this state for a specific reason. So I have 125 years uh, of history. Out of those 125 years, we've had uh, drought cycles 10 times. Those drought cycles average three to five years yep and but the so the percentage of good years in between them is 12 to 15 years so we know this happens we're we're in a certain kind of a a part of the country that every 12 to 15 years we're going to have a three to five year drought cycle this is why we built the storage in the first place so that we would have five years of stored water so when we hit one of those drought cycles and this is for the people that get the surface water that comes from our snowpack and and uh, the runoff and stuff. And that's why we built the storage. Mm-hmm. Now they're releasing so much of the storage, and we talked about this the other day yep. on what is what is what are they why are they doing this? What is the underlying thing? What are they trying to take over? But if you get rid of the storage, what's your next option? There's a certain percentage of the state that uses uh, wells. But uh, a lot of the water goes from this storage from our reservoirs. Well, if you don't have that storage, you're gonna you're gonna use your well more. Exactly, and that's I mean, speaking of using the wells, I mean the Central Valley, uh, it's already happening. I'm you can just Google several a towns. A lot of those ditches aren't ta- running this Towns year. in like Tulare County, they're dry. The whole entire town is bone dry, and they've never experienced this ever. Well, that whole entire region got their letter about, remember I talked about it on the show, got their letter about 
a month ago, stating that the water that they've already paid for for the last <laughs> umpteen years, um, they're getting zero percent. They paid more for the paper to send it out to all the farmers saying, oh, yes, you've been paying for state water. We've promised you this amount of water this year, but um, sorry, you can't get it. But yeah. keep paying, by the way. Um, because it might come back. Oh, yeah, biggest Ponzi scheme ever. And then, but the thing is, is most of those farmers, because of contracts, liability, lawsuits, blah, 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 they can't afford to not farm, right? And so what do they do? They go back to their wells. Yeah, well, yeah I was talking to Cheryl yesterday, and she got the letter that said, no water coming down your ditch this year. And she's like, man, my, you know, small farmer in the valley, like Hanford area, I believe. Yep. And it's, they um, just got there. It's like two weeks ago. And it's like, you know, now seven, $800 a month electric bill. Yeah. yeah to pump. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and I mean, yeah, there's so much technology out there, like solar and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, who can keep affording this? Like, we all sit here and compete as a farmer. We compete with China, who can manipulate their dollars who have, you know, unlimited availability into going into countries like or continents like Africa and Central America and South America and having the access to unlimited resources because they just take it and then farm it and then they ship it back in or they send it off to the American islands so that they can have a label that says uh, product of the Americas and people don't read and see that S at the end of it. And they manufacture food and ship it into this country cheaper. And how do how do us California farmers compete? Yeah. We're not we're not competing for apples to apples. You know, I you know, it's just it's a very, very, very strange situation. But at the end of the day, we are America. We are incredibly intelligent, but we're not using that intelligence. We'll be right back when we come after this messages. Welcome back to Nature's Neighbor. I'm your host again, Melanie Blinkenship, joined with my co-host, Mr. Eric, and our step-in water discusser, <laughs> Mr. Greg Graywall. And guys, if you have any questions, concerns, maybe an idea in, you know, suggestion in, in a path that we could all be taking that would lead us better than where we are. You know, you can always lead a horse to water, mm -hmm. but is he going to drink? Yeah. You know, kind of thing. You know, there's this whole, so much, and this needs to be more of a community discussion than it is. Mm -hmm. I'm sad to always see the same people at our, our RAC meetings, at our TAG meetings, at our Board of Supervisor meetings. It's always the same, yeah, it's the same people. people speaking. It's like, the same. hello, is anybody out there? Like, this is something that directly affects every mm -hmm. single one of us. I, I, I'm sad when I hear people say, oh, well, that's a basin. I live in the, in, <laughs> I live in town. We were just talking yeah. about the, you know, these town dwellers. You know what I mean? Like, I'm you like, know, you really? Know what, you know, and this is just total side note off of anything. So I have a friend. I'm not going to tell who he is, where the house is. It's in Paso. Mm -hmm. There is a well in the basement. Mm -hmm. And I mean. In the basement. I know. <laughs> it's a well. You put a bucket down it. Yeah. <laughs> and over the last 20 years, it's a, the only fluctuation, and this is so anecdotal, it's not even funny, 9 to 13 feet. That's the fluctuation in 20 years on the well I know where in that the is. basement. Does it, does it have any sulfur properties to it? You know, I've gone down and seen it. I've never, like, it's like you got to see this. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? When they first bought the house years ago. And uh, 
Um, I don't believe it does, but I couldn't tell you, to be honest. Because, yeah. I mean, they're hooked up to city water, yeah. blah, blah, blah. They just have a well in the basement. Well, that's the thing. There's, I mean, there's... And you got to go down, like, a ladder. And there's, like, like <laughs> quite a few properties, the old properties in Paso that have that, yeah. as well as in Templeton, too. Like, there's a lot of, you know, because Templeton has TCSD, Community Services District, mm-hmm. and, you know, there's still people that have wells, too. And Well, I just find it interesting. It never really drops. Mm-mm. You know, it's got a four-foot range, nine to thirteen feet. Well, I've been I've been years. on my place uh, twenty years now, and uh, I have a, a, a five wells out of three hundred and sixty-two acres, and um, one I can measure real real easy. Mm-hmm. It's never changed in twenty years. The water's twenty-four feet below the surface of the ground. Uh, the other one. Uh, three of them I have paperwork going back when they were put in in 1980. And uh, and I'm in the watershed area. I'm not over the basin. Can I ask you who put your wells in? You know, uh, they, well, they were all there okay. when I got there, and they're all older. Uh, Was it Rao? Do you know? I do not I do not remember mm-hmm. the name. I didn't recognize the name. Okay. And cool. uh, but uh, But... The water table's been really good out there. But again, I knew I wasn't in an irrigated ag area when I did it. I did. I wasn't looking to be an irrigated ag, ag person. So uh, like everything, I think, that we've talked about before is when you're looking for a piece of property, when you, when you have this idea in your head of what, you, what, your, what your plans are in life and what you want to do, or you've got to buy accordingly so that the thing that you're buying can make sure that you can do what you want to do with the investment that you're going to try to do, whether it's just a home, whether it's a vineyard, whether it's an orchard, whatever it is, or a grazing ground. But if you don't buy the right piece of property, uh, mm. you, you, you're not you're not going to be happy. But you're not going to be able to but do But at the end of the day, though, too, like, I'll be honest with you. Like, where do I sit at this point right now in my life? Like, you know, we moved on to our property 20, I mean, it's been in our family for years, but we moved on to like 24 years ago. Okay. So what I'm doing today was not necessarily what I envisioned in the beginning. Okay. Same with my store. Like, I mean, the store that I own and operate right now, is it what I thought it was going to be when I first stepped foot on it? (laughs) Right? No. And so with that though, like, talking to people about what they see on our ranch now and or what they see in my store. And I would say, you know, like I didn't have the intent to do it like this, but at the time the resources that I had could only do this, or this is how I had to do it because this is how do I, how do I look at that Oak tree and go, I need, you know, eight commercial park parking in two ADAs or one ADA in that on the lot at the store. One of those parking is blocked by an oak tree. So I had to figure out how I was going to develop around that oak tree so that the concrete wasn't going to completely canopy that you know, that um, oak tree as well as still have the seven parking in the ADA. You know, like this is what I'm saying. Like I, I don't, I, I value every bit of life so incredibly important. Yes. That oak tree, even at that time, was struggling, and I know it's struggling now, and I got to deal with it, but we are. We're trimming it back the way it needs to be slowly and allowing it to live out a long term of its own life. Not, It's not for me to take its life. 
It's for me to figure it out. And I'm saying this because it's like, it's something as simple as one oak tree. Yes, I am that person that would make the effort to save that one oak tree. But at the end of the day, do I need to have on my ranch 500 cattle? Yes, I have the land that I could, but why? Because if I do that much, the water that it's gonna need, that I'm gonna need, I mean, I witnessed one of my mama cows the other day drink about, within a, about a four minute period, she drank about eight to 10 gallons. And I, I mean, it wasn't even hot. Like she was just mad, I think. I don't know. She was like, she was, she was at 30. the bar. Yeah, she was at the, you know, it was like putting it back. But uh, this, you know what I mean? So just to even put that into perspective, you know, and that's why I only have 20 head of cow yeah. because I don't want to overgraze it. I don't want to, yes, you know, back in the day when the market was really good, but the market's good right now. Yeah, if I had that many animals, I could make a whole lot more. But at the end of the day, how do I sustain myself? Okay, so yeah, I can go out and make $100,000 today. But how do I hold on to that $100,000 when I've overgrazed my property or I've over, you know, pumped my well? $100,000 is not enough. I mean, when we overgraze and there's erosion, when I've overpumped and there's no water, I mean, $100,000, that's a, that's, going to take everything to put in a new well if I find water again on my property. You know, so this is what I'm trying to emphasize is it's like just because you want it doesn't mean we necessarily have to have it and have it that way. Instead of thinking it has to be big now, how about we build it slowly together and instead of 10,000 multifamily homes in a drought when we are already already struggling and when a majority of our water is coming from a basin that we all know is depleting and starting to run out, why are we keep building? We're using, we're not using the greatest practices around here to get the water (sighs) into the ground. And I see that with our agriculture and I see that with our cities. It's not that hard to sequester water. And, you know, in agriculture, you'll actually have a better product if you use. Well, that's, that's one of the reasons that, uh, you know, there's, there's some positive things that we can do. And uh, one of those is stormwater capture. Okay, we're in summer. We're not during the time of stormwater. But we don't have anything set up to do the stormwater capture. Um, Take that back. Has anybody been out since about 5 o'clock this morning? Did you guys all oh. notice you had ground fog yeah. in town? Like, I came to town dressed as it was like summertime because out at the ranch it was nice and warm. Yeah. I came to town and it was socked in fog. Uh, <laughs> talk about moisture. Yeah. Like, there was so much wetness. I even had to turn the windshield wipers on, get the mud and, and uh, snot out of it. We have a phone caller. Hi, you're on Nature's Neighbor. <clears throat> Hi, Melanie. Hi. First half of my life I was in the service industry. The second half... I was an attorney, but even as such, I saw what is happening out in the east side of our Paso Robles, uh, Appalachian and that. The, those rich people got control of that water district out there, and the reason was they don't care about their neighbors. They not only set their vineyards up there when they set them up, to be machine uh, harvested, which I can understand the labor's uh, problem, but they they don't care about quality anymore. They they put their vines so close together. All they're looking for is quantity, and of course that uses twice as much water. So they don't care about the small neighbors that have been there for years that are trying to that spaced out their vineyards and to be good neighbors. They're out there just to make as much money as they can. 
That's exactly what we've been talking about. It's like, you know, you can exactly. make that and make I'm that hundred thousand dollars. And I can see that. Yeah. But And some of that's to show how much water you need to use for future ventures. Yeah. I mean, you got to look down to the future for a lot of these people. It's showing water use that they don't really care. I mean, a lot of those grapes don't even get harvested. Well, I got a two-page. Uh, this is off of Lemonera's website since 1893. <laughs> this is what they have. Uh, basically, it says in here uh, they want to do water water transfers, exchanges, create a free mark uh, a market, uh, and and on the redistribution of water. They want to take the water from where it exists to the place of most value. They want to use farming as a cover crop to later be able to market the water. That's this this is their plan. It's it's on their own website, and. Uh, this is a problem between people that want to live in a community and have correlative rights to where you have an equal beneficial use to what's below you, or you want to be a ultra large, uh, ag business that, uh, will move on as soon as you made your profit and it doesn't matter anymore, especially when you're not pricking half your picking half your crop because right. you put it in just to show a historic use of water use. It's well, <laughs> I grew up in Southern California, and most people down there don't realize that Southern California is basically desert. But but they uh, contracted to get the water from up in Northern California, and and they still do. They get it from uh, uh, Central and Northern California, and and and. and uh, I watched as more and more uh, skyscrapers have gone in in Southern California. Now, you know that skyscrapers use, per the footprint, a hell of a lot more water than other shorter buildings. But We should be capturing humidity off of them. Excuse me? We should be capturing humidity off of them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not yeah. kidding. In every skyscraper, in every building window should be a solar solar panel. The, the, yeah, yeah. One of the but first, the, one of the first the, things, because because the, 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 because we're finally given it, they gave incentives for people to put solar panels in. Uh, I live in a house that's all electric; has been all electric since the seventies, because uh, uh, PG and E gave incentives yeah. for that. Yeah. But now uh, that's becoming the thing because um, of the fact that. Uh, you, solar panels will save you a lot of money, but yeah. uh, there's a downside to solar panels that people don't think about. Yeah, you know what the average life of a solar panel is? Twenty years, twenty five. You got it. You know, we know that too, and people don't realize. Like, you know, for us, we have all of our irrigated ag on solar. So this is why I tell you I don't use that you much water because it doesn't work that often. Have to be replaced. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. And then once you do replace it, that's basically toxic waste. Okay, I mean, it's, you're giving me yeah. anxiety. <laughs> yeah. So right. one of the, one of your one of your one of your concerns. Okay, if you if you are into movies, you might want to watch Chinatown with Jack Nicholson, and you can see how they took the water from Owens Valley and took it to the San Fernando Valley, and they had orange groves and everything. So yeah. they get. They get maybe 25, 30% from Northern California, but a lot of the water down in LA comes from the Colorado River and from the Owens Valley. And now they're having to repair the Owens Valley over there. That was over 100 years ago. Mm -hmm. And we have 
the best basin in the world here in the Paso Robles area. Yes, and, we do. And in that and that state. basin that basin is under attack by these water pirates. Yep. And that's all we're trying to do is protect the basin for the community that lives over the basin and our area to benefit all of our people in anyway. our community. <laughs> Thank you so much nice for your call. Uh, yeah. Nice you too. All right, guys, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Nature's Neighbor. I'm your host again, Melanie Blankenship, joined with my co-host, Mr. Eric, and our water discusser, step-in uh, co-host, co-host, Mr. Greg Braywall. And it's fun because, I don't know if I could say it's fun. Let me look for another word. <laughs> it's fun. Um, it is encouraging. At the same time, it's motivating to always have shows with Greg. When he comes into the show, always... With a huge amounts of paperwork, and I'm actually glad you're not throwing paperwork at me today because I forgot my glasses, so I can't read anyways. <laughs> but at the same time, when I do have my glasses on and I read, Greg is coming with proof. It's not, it's not. We're not sitting here talking about hearsay or what ifs or you know. I'm not a Google know it all. I I got a Greg know it all. You know, and and why I'm saying that is because. You ask him a question, he goes, hold up. And then he'll pull the paperwork out. We sit and we read why we're here, where we came from to be here. And we have a phone caller, guys. Hi, you're on Nature's Neighbor. Good morning. <laughs> I want to, I have two things. Um, comment on about, about the uh, the cows drinking. I was in the hot spring over in Mammoth last year and uh, sitting and enjoying that. The car, cows came along and they, and, um, slurping the water around me and thought that, thought that was kind of hilarious but um gallons and gallons started disappearing <laughs> uh, uh so the second thing i'd like to say is uh yeah i went to a csd meeting in, two, in 2016 in templeton and it was regarding the uh the capacity of the basin that pass the robles there um are you hearing me okay yeah we're yeah. hearing yeah. we're here we're listening, we're listening. Okay. okay yeah and uh, 30 of us were allowed to go in there, and uh, very serious. And they sewed the slide, which wasn't um, pertinent to the, uh, uh, to the to the to the topic of the topic. But the slide demonstrated that 20 million gallons are being drawn five times a month, and within five days, a period of five days each each time, from uh, and the and the. Uh, from 70% of the capacity to 50%, and which is 100. Apparently, there's 100 million gallons in the in the Paso Basin. Is that correct? There's there's 31 to 36 million acre feet. So when you're talking gallons, an acre foot, uh, acre foot. one acre foot of water is 326 thousand gallons. Okay. So. So but, first, first off, you have to understand if somebody's speaking in gallons or they're speaking in acre feet. So, uh, like I said, an acre foot of water is three hundred and twenty-six thousand gallons, roughly. And so, it, uh, a, a a normal household will use a third to a half acre foot of water a year uh, uh, with a family of four in a little yard. Now, they. They claim you could. I know you can use less. I'm sitting here with two farmers uh, that less than an acre foot per acre for grapes, but about four and a half acre 
feet of water per year for alfalfa. So they have some standards depending on what your ground is and where you're, where you're growing it and what the precipitation is in your area and, and other things. But these are just uh, averages. Uh, uh, you know, uh, livestock, a cow, uh, 25 gallons a day per mm-hmm. animal. Exactly. <laughs> so I want to continue. Um, so this one graph showed, um, slide showed um, uh, at five times a month, uh, a draw from 70% of the capacity down to 50% and back up, and that, that took five days. And uh, then the, came. Um, can I can I ask what what yeah. is the graph called and who presented this graph? Do you remember? I mean, I, I know you said it was yeah, 2016. I, I, did, I don't remember it, but I did. This was at the CSD. To, uh, or? I did try to contact the uh, uh, the, uh, the 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 geologist, uh, if you will. That was doing. And not and they there was no way to get to get that to get that if i I'll, I'll get back to you if you can no problem but it's just, just googling it um uh is, is there an email i can email yeah let's, yeah let us yeah. send us some information because i'm, I'm going to be honest with you i mean what you're speaking of of monitoring the basin there's nothing like that going on yes there was there's been a lot of geologists you know doing surveys and different types of research that could you know, for instance, the recharge and all that kind of stuff, you know, there was that information, but a lot of that has changed since 2016, like drastically this, changed. This, this so, was at, um, to be specific, this was at the, uh, the uh, February 28th uh, or 29th, I think it was even, uh, of 2016 at, at Templeton CSD. Oh, it's a CSD. Okay. So, um, so yes, let me, I'm going to give you my email. You can send it to me, Nature's Touch. Yeah. At sbcglobal.net. Send that okay. to me and let us re- like kind of review, kind of go back, and then we can have an open discussion. Also, too, I mean, Greg is always open to, you know, gathering, sharing information. You know, TCSD is a, a community services district that has to always, you know, report, monitor, and do that kind of thing. But when it comes to the basin, what do they have? They have one well in the basin? Because most of the wells for TCSD are in the actual Salinas River, correct, well, Mundo? Yeah, but they they have a perk. They have a well. Now they're going to build probably three years from now. They they are starting to bur- uh, do another perk plant, which I'm guessing will be more wells after that. Okay, perk plant but put. this is where the meeting was held. But it's regarding the Paso Robles Basin. So so and, so uh, just to give you a, a, an idea, so the Paso Robles Basin is approximately five hundred thousand acres. Um, and that 500,000 acres stores 31 to 36 million acre feet of water. And we use approximately, uh, 90,000 acre feet is our safe annual yield. They say, so if we get rain and, and the rain normally is 14 and a half inches around the airport area in Paso Robles, but it's very, it varies all over that whole basin, but just to take an average, if you have 12 inches of rain on 500,000 acres, you have 500,000 acre feet of water. And so, yeah, we're, we're safe to use, let's just say a hundred, but we're putting 400 back into the ground. Now, some of that's going to evaporate and some of that's going to do some other things. But as long as we always get enough, even on a bad year, when we get only a 50% rainfall, if we were getting six inches of rain, that's still 250,000 acre feet of water that's landing on the ground 
that is recharging the basin, even though some of it is evaporating and doing other things. And one thing to this point is um, Templeton and Tascadero, the CSD of Templeton is no longer considered to be in the Paso Basin. Yep. So it, it's part of a Tascadero, basically, because of the Rinconada Fault. And that was a lawsuit that was well, fairly uh, recent, wasn't it? it was the actual, the actual, so Paso Robles basically sued a Tascadero Water Mutual saying they didn't want them to claim that their basin was in a separate uh, uh, deal. And so they are, uh, they were designated not by the court, they were designated by the DWR to be separate for management purposes. And all the studies, their basin was always kept separate. So they, they have a safe yield every year of about 16,400 acre feet of water, where the Paso Basin was 90 to 92,000 acre feet of water. But then a lot of different things happened. The county from 2000 to 2014 has spent about $2 million on studies. How much have we spent on lawsuits? <laughs> well, <laughs> if you, even yeah, if you take the county and all the cities and, and overliers. Yeah, so, so, we could so, be putting that money into stormwater capture and capturing a humidity. Oh, we could even be, I mean, the state was even giving us a healthy soils initiative. I mean, how many initiatives do we have to, you know, be actually capturing moisture in look, the soil? If you look at that healthy soils initiative, a part, big part of that is compost. Yes. And they basically will come out. You'll get somebody like from Dev Invest's crew. Mm -hmm. They'll come out, tell you what you need to do. And you're basically adding generally an application about a percent of organic matter. Well, that adds 20,000 gallons of water per acre to rain, to capturing rain. And the state basically pays for that and shows you how to do it. Yeah. You know? The application, I think, is closed. But yeah. it doesn't mean we still can't do it. The information oh, is yeah. there. Like, And yes. I guarantee you, you call, you call down to the, so what is it, uh, RCD, RCD, yeah. Resource Conservation Department. Too many initials anymore. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> w R A C R C D. I mean, people don't. People call me all the. They call me all the time, and they're like, "How do we do this?" Or, "I want to do this," and I'm like, "Call Devin's crew." I feel you bad know? for how many times I say I call Devin. Well, I mean, come on, let's talk about Santa Margarita property. Yeah. Like, oh, you want to talk about a watershed area? Holy moly! But at the same time, on that same property, it's capturing moisture heavily, mm. big time moisture. I mean, we got to get out there and, and really help this gentleman protect it because not only the value of that property, yes, but at the same time, the, the value of the Santa Margarita community because of that property. And at the same time, I don't know how many times it's like, we need, our, we need Devin. You know, oh, <laughs> like yeah. I turned around, I'm like, we need the RCD. Like every question he was asking me, I'm like, okay, I'm good, but I'm not that good. We need Devin, you know, and his crew. So we have resources out there that we can be utilizing. And we're going to continue this conversation when we come back. <laughs> well, wait for the music. Welcome back, guys. I am your host, Melanie, and Eric is joined here, as well as Greg Graywall. We've been talking about the community, realistically, but the most important resource this community has, and that is water. And... You know, it's it. I'm going to just kind of put something out there because people got to understand how big Wall Street, the SRP, all of this truly is the culprit behind all of this. When you have water features 
futures. I always say that wrong. Um, and commodity. I was like, tra- what water features? Right. Do we have? Yeah. Right. It is a water feature. Watch it. You know, just come out. Right. And but it's not coming out into each and yours and I's pocket. It's leaving our country. And at the same time, it, it people don't realize how big this is. But yet, every step we take, every purchase we make, every investment we do, directly affects how we live right here in this community. And it's it's as simple as, the, you know, knowing who you're supporting, knowing where you're putting your money at. Greg and I had this discussion a couple of years ago. I was researching heirloom food, right? Just food that just dates back years, upon, thousands of years, instead of, you know, a couple, you know, 50 to 100 like we do here in the United States. A lot of what was taking me back was figs, okay? <laughs> figs are... They grow wild, used to grow wild in the Middle East. And everything kept going back to Iran and, you know, understanding the Iranian culture. You know, back in the, Greg and I were talking about this because I started to watch commodity trades and how farming is being attacked. When farming, I mean, every problem that we are dealing with right now in this world, climate change, too much carbon in the atmosphere, all these things, water depletion, all of this stuff, is if you look at the big picture, we have taken mediums to small farms and, you know, a diverse farming, regenerative agriculture out of the equation, and it's, we put industrial the, ag, it's right? It's not the cow, it's the how. It's the, the, yeah, not the cow, it's <laughs> the, exactly. But if you look at the history of Iran and you look at how much of a farming country Iran was before the Ayatollah came in. The Ayatollah came in, they destroyed dams, they got rid of farming, and now look at Turkey. Turkey used to be a beautiful farming country. Yes, they're industrial ag now, but look at their resources. Yes, they're in the middle of the desert, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's weird how you cannot go back that far in history to these countries that in our culture now are so out there, right? Oh, Iran, or oh, you know, this, but yet... They're humans too, and they're living, you know, different lives than us. But again, let's go back to soil discussion. It's called translation. It's called interpretations and understanding different cultures. They're not any different than us. They were used to be beautiful farmers that grew the most amazing figs on the planet. And granted, yes, when it comes to fruit, especially any kind of our typical common summer fruits of California figs, I, I, this is how I eat. Okay. Like yesterday, my really good friend came in and she's like, Melanie, I need a really good watermelon for the weekend. I'm like, all right, there's the black tail heirloom watermelons. She goes, are they sweet? I'm like, actually, I don't know yet because I haven't quality controlled, but I'm just going to be honest with you. The farmer in that soil, they're flawless. They do nothing wrong ever in my eyes, but let's just open one and quality control it. (laughs) She's like, you're just going to pick one. I'm like, yep, that one. I pick it, tap it. It's hollow in the center. I cut it. My whole kitchen smelled like watermelon. I took a wedge and I shared it within the store. People were like, oh my gosh, that is so good. And I'm like, it's not even summer yet. Wait until summer really kicks in. And these are just going to get big. But it was because of the way that the farmer took care of that soil first. Oh yeah, That's what we're tasting. And that's what we should be doing. You can't capture water better in farming, not industrial ag. There is a difference. People know this. Wall Street is not farming. Wall Street is a bank. Well, if you look, 
locally we you know we we see a lot of people that say and you know to an extent if you've listened to me you've heard me criticize some of the vineyards i don't criticize all of the vineyards some of them are doing things right and some of them are big operations some of them are small operations some of them have been dry farming for years and people go oh they had sprinklers on at the beginning of the year well they they didn't have rain yeah you have to offset it I look at, and luckily over the years, I've worked with a lot of wineries, especially in the Adelaide Vineyard District, and seeing how different people do it, from the little guys to the big guys. There's people out there doing it right that are setting an example of how you can do this, how you can use very little water and have healthy soils and and really have some of the best wines in our county. It's, you know, it makes me always question, like, why do we see, we still see bare fields with grapes on them here? They take every bit of weeds, every, I mean, that's all what's slowing down the water, putting it into the ground. So when it does rain, that water isn't going down. You know, you gave that acre feet, you know, if we get an inch of rain, we're getting this many acre feet. Well, when you tear off all the vegetation and you just have bare dead soil with some grapes in it it all hits the salinas we'll get some of it depending on how much is rain if it's raining a lot it's just gonna go right down exactly. the river. so it's really taking care of those soils and that's what kills me is like in san luis Obispo county we should be figuring out how to get the water in the ground or the moisture out of the air yeah we got to take that like melanie was saying we got to take the uh the uh monetary exchange uh part of this out of this do you, mm-hmm. do you do we want to come up with the ways that are going to protect our basin and do the best and that, we're, and that we won't have any problems in the future? Or do we just want to get the most bang for our buck today and forget about it and then we'll worry about when we screw it up later? And that's the thing where I was talking about, like, what I have done, what I have today when I first started. No, resources was not available to waste and you missed just, the little you, store just out of curiosity every, every time you ev- say that i picture you day, in that little ev- store <laughs> every day i do and the reason is simple it was a lot oh, easier yeah. to take care of it didn't need as many resources it didn't need me pedaling and pushing and yeah. constantly showing we up we would sit there and eat a burger and your son would be out there on his little toy tractor oh, and yes. you'd be in the store and- <laughs> okay i missed that whole time of my life okay think you're gonna make me cry so, but you know at the end of the day like the cost of doing what I have now versus how I started it back then and building it to where it is now and being honored that I could build it and hold on to it at this time. Like, do we have to go big? Do we have to, you know, just deplete? No, we can think we can think bigger, act smaller, right? We don't need to do this this way because at the, at the end of the day, who's going to pay when we're all run out? Correct. Who, who's going to pay for this yeah. when we are all out of resources? One of the last things I'd like people to think about, all you listeners out there, and and um, like Melanie said, I brought in two big uh, documents. One was the uh, 2010, and the other one was the 2015 Urban Water Management Plans for the City of Paso Robles. And the only reason I brought this stuff in here was just to show it. So everybody always should know that I have all the documents that I talk about. I've read all these documents, and they're beneficial to see what was going on at that time and then why why did people change. But um, the bottom line is there's there's positive things we can do, and if these guys would stick to, to what, what it actually takes to prevent something, I'm always looking at it. Why are they not trying to fix it? They tell us we have a problem, uh, I spent 30 years of going to problems as an emergency uh, person, and we never left there till we solved the problem. This is not a hard problem to solve, but we got to 
we got to get out of this thing that uh, I, I look at what's going on in the state and I say, why did they change these laws where you can't pass on your thing to your ancestors? And why are they trying to take farming and these resources away from all of us private landowners in this state? Exactly. Money talks, but at the end of the day, every step that you and I take can control how that money is talking. And speaking of that, I'm going to go out and make mine at Nature's Touch <laughs> Nursery and Harvest so that I can continue to put it back in the infrastructure that I have created and put in water back into the soil because that's that's all I have. And I, I live by the soil I stand on. Come join me. Check out our website for the new classes. Eric, quick. I'm just going to be playing with the compost today because it'll be a beautiful day to do it. I have compost tea already brewed, ready to pick up today, guys. So anybody that needs it, I have it at Nature's Touch Nursery and Harvest. Make-